In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, Knowledge Vine. If you want the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, then Knowledge Vine is error reduction that works. And you can learn more at knowledgevine.com. Today, my guest on the show is Curtis Shuck. It is Shuck, right, Curtis? Yes, sir. Yep. Hey, Curtis, thanks for coming on the show. Wow, Russell. No, thank you so much. And what an honor it is to have a chance to chat with you all about uh, our fun and important and exciting work that we're doing and really talk about some of the safety concerns in this space that are at the forefront of our everyday activities. Okay. I'm excited to do that myself. So let me introduce you, Curtis. You are the founder, I think it is, of what's called the Well Done Foundation. That's Well, W-E-L-L, and then Done, D-O-N-E. A little play on words there, I guess, huh? Yeah, it it is. And that came to me, I guess, I don't know, as an epiphany or a sign or a curse, you know, kind of depends on the day. But after I had experienced my first orphan well and then group of orphan wells up in northern Montana, just about 15 miles south of the Canadian border, and I just couldn't believe what I saw, couldn't believe what I was smelling just couldn't believe that as a career oil and gas person, that that was something that in any universe was okay to just walk away and leave. And as it turned out, I was actually working at the time consulting in a completely different space, but uh, working with farmers on moving grain by rail to some Pacific ports. And again, came across that first orphan well and Long story short, by the time I was headed back to Bozeman, Montana, later that night, this image and that experience, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And so that's where the name Well Done came. And literally, by the time I walked in the door in Bozeman at about 1 a.m. on July 25th of 2019, we had had secured the domain names of Well Done Foundation and registered with the uh, state of Montana and essentially had crafted out our game plan, if you would, or our strategy. And it's interesting how closely we're following that even today, you know, three plus years later. Okay. So let's back up just a little bit. Your actual background was oil and gas originally, correct? Yeah. I started in the oil and gas industry in uh, 1982, the summer of 1982. I spent on Alaska's North Slope. I grew up in Anchorage. And so as it was back in those days, everybody needed to do a little hitch up on the slope, which I did as a roustabout. And from that time forward, I'd been you know, blessed with having Many positions in the oil and gas and related industries spent a lot of time in logistics, a lot of time with the Pacific ports, actually, in the state of Washington, in supporting the oil and gas industry on the midstream and downstream sides, and then spent several years in the Bakken, 
running an oil and gas services company out there. And then from there went into consulting. So yeah, so for most of my career, Russ, I've had, you know, an opportunity to be involved with oil and gas and lots of different facets. Okay. And so you had, uh, because of your logistics background and your consulting led you to uh, helping these farmers get their grain to market. You say that's when you actually discovered all of these orphaned or abandoned oil and gas wells? Yeah, that was my first foray, if you would, or first exposure to orphan wells. Like before that, I had no idea it was even a thing. You know, the only well locations I'd ever been on were very well put together and safety was high priority. And, you know, when I first stumbled upon these orphan wells with the farmers, you know, for them, they'd been farming around these for decades for, you know, these wells that we first experienced there, I first experienced were. I'm looking at your website here and it says our mission is to fight climate change through plugging orphaned or abandoned oil and gas wells. And I was a little astonished by this. The next sentence says the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, estimates there are approximately 2.15 million unplugged abandoned wells scattered throughout the United States. Yeah, and that's probably underreported, actually, Russ. You know, we're working, like I'm in Ohio today, working on an orphan well project now. I'm actually headed up to Pennsylvania this afternoon to do some work up there with the state and with our own team. And we're finding more orphan wells every day. And the problem is, is the number is growing, not really reducing, even though all of these wells are being plugged. And so, yeah, I mean, the fact is that there are literally millions of these orphan wells and there's more on the way. So this isn't a problem that's just going to wave a wand and go away, even though the current administration has supported a bipartisan infrastructure bill that Senator Kevin Kramer, a Republican from North Dakota, and Senator Ben Ray Lujan, a Democrat from New Mexico, got together and sponsored the JOBS Act, which is where some of these funds are coming from that are helping to plug these orphan wells now. But even that $4.7 billion that's going into this space is just a drop in the bucket. It's literally a down payment. And, you know, for years and years and years, the issue of orphan wells was sort of everyone's dirty little secret. Like nobody wanted to talk about it. The regulators sure didn't want to talk about it. The industry absolutely didn't want to talk about it. But there it was. It was a problem. And so when we come up upon these orphan well locations, you know, the first thing in our mind every day and every time is, is this the well that's going to be the one that ends my life or seriously does damage? And the reason is, is because this infrastructure is either failing or has failed. And it's just like anything, you know, and anybody in the oil and gas industry knows that if you've got an asset, you need to maintain it. It takes care and feeding to keep it uh, functional and to keep it safe. And of course, that ship has left the harbor on these orphan wells and they've been neglected, some of them for decades and decades. Like the first wells I walked up to in Montana, 
had been orphaned for nearly 30 years and they were 100 years old. So you can just imagine the condition of that infrastructure, especially when you start to layer on, you know, some of the corrosive nature of the environment with high levels of H2S in certain wells. And anyway, it just gets worse from there. And every well we go on to, our first program is really taking a look at how are we going to, first of all, get to the location safely. But then once we're there, what are the steps that we take to make sure that we're really addressing a big unknown? And that's where this orphan well space, I think, needs to have a serious focus. And so that's why when we heard about your show, we were super excited to be able to get this message out. You know, the orphan well space is sort of brand, it's old, but it's brand new. It's brand new in the sense that it's got so much focus on it now and so much money coming into the space that there are a lot of people who are getting involved in this area, in this sort of new sector of the industry. And the key message there, I think, Russ, is that it's not like your typical oil and gas location or your typical oil and gas asset. There are many things that differentiate these locations and these well bores. And I got to tell you, I've personally been to thousands of these locations across the country in my short little, you know, three plus year career in orphan wells. Like who knew on that July day that for me, it would be a literal turning point in my life and in my career. But, you know, now, like I said, thousands of orphan wells later, you know, we're currently operating in 14 states across the United States. I drive about 100,000 miles a year, and we've just plugged our 26th well of our own. And then, of course, now we're measuring hundreds and hundreds of wells across the United States to help to define what the methane emissions are. But yeah, there are some of these wells out there are literally ticking time bombs. and. That's really, I think, the message for your listeners today is that, you know, as people are starting to get into this space, it does require a different approach and sort of a different mindset from the get-go. Okay, so this is called the Well Done Foundation, and I believe your website's welldonefoundation.org, is that right? It is, yes. We organized as a nonprofit in 2019. That was my question. When I see the .org and when I see the foundation, so this is a nonprofit organization? It is. We're a 501c3 charitable foundation, and we organized that way because, you know, that seemed like that made the most sense at the time. We're proud to say that we haven't used a single dollar of taxpayer money to plug or abandon any of the 26 wells that we've plugged to date. And we're getting ready to plug a whack more here, probably another 25 over the summer. But we've got some amazing corporate partners, partners like Crescent Midstream or partners like Seneca Resources or partners like New Light Technologies out of California, Tito's Handmade Vodka made right there in Texas is another one of our corporate sponsors. And then, you know, we raise money through, I jokingly refer to it as car washes and bake sales. 
But whatever it takes to raise money to plug these orphaned and abandoned wells, and that's how we fund our plugging effort is through the nonprofit corporate sponsorships and individual sponsorships. And so with it being 501c3, there are some tax advantages to the people who contribute. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, in addition to being able to own the narrative around the great work we're doing to be able to quantify the reduction in emissions that are achieved through the plugging and abandonment efforts, then there's also, yes, a tax advantage. You know, what's great about this work that we do, Russ, is that from a methane perspective, you know, kind of back to that whole climate change thing. And I think one of the points that's really important to make here, and I think especially for your audience, is that regardless of where anyone lives on the climate spectrum, right, whether you're like a climate crusader or you're a climate denier or whether you're Republican or Democrat, you know, this is really just about doing the right thing. Like I mentioned earlier, there's really no universe in which leaving something behind that's really not safe and not healthy in areas that are adjacent to communities and people or even, you know, sensitive areas in the environment. You know, I don't know about you, but I was always raised to leave it better than you found it, right? Like to leave no trace, to pick up after yourself, right? I couldn't, if I had a buck for every time I heard that from my mom, we'd be in a different place right now. But for us, I think that's really the key is that, you know, let's not politicize this and let's not polarize ourselves based on kind of your beliefs, but let's just do the right thing. And that, I think, for us is what makes our mission so powerful. And I like that. I would probably throw in, I actually interviewed someone on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, where he had done some research actually up in your area, the Montana, Wyoming area. I can't remember exactly, but we are doing things differently and we are doing things better today. And we're actually going in and cleaning up our messes, leaving it. He had done some research where they did environmental impact studies on the area after the oil company had come in there and done their drilling and set up their production and all that sort of thing, and then cleaned everything up and left. And they actually left it, just like you were saying, left it better than when they got there. That's happening today. But we do have to deal with this problem and admit the fact that it hasn't always happened in the past, as is evidenced by the fact that, you know, you're saying 2.15 million unplugged abandoned wells is probably underestimated. So just real quick, Curtis, So first of all, you have to locate the abandoned well. So how do you do that? You know, we use a number of technologies, you know, certainly working with the state regulatory agencies, number one. You know, they've got various and sundry lists. Then we're really looking and focused on those bad actors, you know. And to your point, these are legacy assets, right? These are wells from, gosh, we just plugged a well not long ago in Pennsylvania that was drilled in the 1880s. And, you know, many of these wells don't have any records whatsoever on them. And so in addition to the state programs, you know, we have a landowner assistance a hotline as part of our program on the website. We are receiving multiple tips a week on wells and projects. So we try to respond as quickly as we can to those. 
I think a lot for us now, Russ, is really kind of that word of mouth. We've been very fortunate to, you know, have our story out there. And I think just our track record speaks for itself. And so we look to respond as, like I said, as quickly as we can to identify the well. And then we go to work on what we call qualifying it, right? So understanding what the issues of access are, which is always a potential problem. You know, it's one thing, you know, we love working in West Texas out in the Permian, you know, where you can watch your dog run away for a week, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're up working where we're at now in Appalachia. I mean, gosh, many of these old wells were drilled. Most of the older ones are all cable tool rigs. So and a lot of that stuff was drug in by teams of horses. So the area is all grown up. The trees have all sort of taken over the area. The roads are gone. There's no location. And so even finding these things now becomes a real challenge. And then, of course, you have to think about how you're going to put together a plugging plant and a plugging program. And so that's why this business is so expensive right now, especially up in this area, is because, again, at least half of the cost of the plugging job is spent just getting to the project. So once we identify the target, then we go to work on quantifying the gas, measuring the methane emission and all of the other gases that are a part of it, because it's not just methane, it's propane and ethane and hexane and pentane and, you know, you name it and kind of goes down the C-class spectrum there. And then kind of determine sort of what those volumes are. We look at the surrounding areas, the environment, the communities that some of these are located in. I mean, last year, we just about a year ago, we just plugged a well here in Cleveland, Ohio, that was right in the middle of a senior citizens, low income senior citizen facility, literally 15 feet from the building. And, you know, we see stuff like this all over the country. And it's crazy. And, you know, the deal is, of course, the wells were drilled back in the day, and then the communities grew up around them. Many of those had been abandoned or had been plugged or just sort of left behind and built around or built over. And so, yeah, so then we get called in to try to figure out a way to fix it. Of course, it's uncanny how many of these orphan wells were drilled right underneath of these high voltage transmission power lines. Kidding, but of course, you know, it seems like, you know, there's never really an easy or a straightforward orphan well project because, if you're lucky enough to have the records on the well, which many of these you don't, so you have no idea to what depth the well was drilled. You know, you have to use some of the available information from our geologic team of, you know, kind of what's in the surrounding area. But you have no idea what's down the hole. I mean, we run into things like fence posts and, of course, you know, parted rods or tubing. You know, up here in Appalachia, you know, we hear horror stories all the time of farmers that just got sick of smelling gas. So they went and dropped a cannonball down a wellbore to try to stop it. And of course, the requirement from the regulatory agency is you got to get to the bottom. You got to get to TD. So oftentimes that means you've got to drill out or mill out or go fishing to recover and clean the hole out so you can get down to the total depth of the well. 
So we have a pretty robust due diligence process on the front end. But with that also is the fact that we can't really do much to the well in terms of we certainly can't enter the well bore to run a wireline rig or do any type of subsurface investigation until we actually pull the trigger and what we call adopt the well. And by adopting the well, what we do, the Well Done Foundation, we actually become the bonded operator of the well, which means essentially that we assume all financial liability for that well bore going forward. The plug-in abandonment, we never have the authority to operate the well, but we have the authority to plug and abandon the well. So for us at that point, Russ, there's no givebacks, right? There's no do-overs. When we step up to the plate and take the well over, that's on us at that point. So we try to really do as good a job as we can. But even still, it's a bit of a roll of the dice. And then, you know, we go to work and we work with our corporate funding partners to put a package together that hopefully speaks to our funding partners. And then we measure and monitor it for, gosh, that process can be anywhere from two to six months. And then we get it in the queue for plugging and abandonment. And then what's really important, I think, is that it doesn't stop there for the Well Done Foundation. We completely restore the surface for the landowner and, again, return it to as good of shape or better than when we found it, just like you referenced the oil and gas industry today. And, you know, we're really proud of that part because, again, it's not just plugging, throwing cement down a hole and plugging it and walking away. We develop a whole restoration plan in collaboration with the surface owner so that it's something that everybody can be proud of at the end of the day. And then we'll monitor that well post-closure for a period of 10 years. Oh, wow. That's quite a commitment. Curtis, I had one of the neat things about being the HSE podcast host. I get the opportunity to meet people and find out about things that I wouldn't in any other way. I'm really glad I was introduced to you guys. Uh, Really glad to have you on the podcast today. Glad to get the word out to all of our listeners. And I know you're in between appointments right now. I think you're in your truck talking to me right now, right? We're actually traveling to our next Orphan Well project up in Pennsylvania. So we really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Well, it was my pleasure. Again, thanks for coming on the show. As always, to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn, your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or the review link in the show notes. We'll also put the Well Done Foundation's contact info in the show notes as well. And please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vines Oil and Gas HSE podcast. Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full-service human performance and safety consulting. Knowledge Vine is error reduction that works, and you can discover more about Knowledge Vine by going to their website. You can find that in the show notes as well. There's other contact information there. And as always, you can simply reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.